Each week on the Jesus is my hashtag podcast, I release a new episode, but I didn't want you to have to wait that long to hear more of my son Jared's story. That's why I decided to go ahead this week and release a bonus episode from our interview. Now, if you've missed episodes 26 and 27, you're going to want to go back and listen to those. We're at the point where Jared started experimenting with drinking and marijuana, and he's got more to share. So let's go ahead and get started. Have you ever felt that we are losing young people to the world around them and that they have already chosen to walk away from Jesus without even knowing him? And did you know that all young people are at risk for something? That's why I want to welcome you to the Jesus is my hashtag podcast, where positive youth development and youth ministry intersect. I'm your host, Deb Schroeder. Join me weekly for encouragement, resources, and strategies to assist you in helping young people make Jesus their hashtag. As I have been listening and re-listening to this interview, it has brought out a lot of emotions for me. It's hard to hear when a young person that you love and care about is struggling. But it's also becoming this amazing gift because it's provided me with some fresh perspective and a gentle reminder that all young people are at risk in one way or another. That's why you are so important in the lives of our young people. And that's why I am grateful that you continue to show up for them. And I am grateful and honored that you are listening today to my son's story. You didn't want me to fail, but also at that time, it just was getting, it was getting more that just, I would blot whatever you and dad would tell me. It was just in one ear and then out the other. I did, I did not take any note of what you said. I just wanted to do, like I said, do things my way. I didn't want to do things your way. I wanted to do them my way. So anything, anytime at that point you tried to help. And you tried to, you know, you put your two cents in or you grounded me. I, it would just, I'd be annoyed at that. Cause I'm, I'd be like, I'm almost an adult now. Why are you telling me these things? I don't, I can make my own decisions. I'm fine with what I'm doing, which really I wasn't because, you know, as I said, I was get I was becoming ashamed of who I was. And I was bearing a lot of those feelings as well of inadequacy and frustration with myself and what I was doing. I, that's one of the biggest thing takeaways for me is I should have never buried those feelings because as we'll get to, they just build and build and build over time until finally at some point you will reach your limit and you cannot take those feelings anymore and they just explode and they can explode in a lot of different ways. So if you know me well, the listeners out here, if you're getting who I am, I'm a processor and and I'm open to talking about my feelings and that is just who I am. And like, I know I pushed and I pushed too hard sometimes because I just knew that if Jared could talk about what he was feeling and, and how, what was happening on in his life, I knew that could help him have some healing. And so I'd push. And I think that's a challenge as a parent or even as a youth worker, if it's even not your own kid, but you see them heading down a path, we get so desperate to try to keep them from going down a bad path that we might push a little hard or we might hold on a little too tight. 
one thing I remember always telling you and dad was just let me make my own mistakes. That's how I learn. I make mistakes and then I learn not to do them again. And I'd tell you that. And then you'd be like, no, that's dumb. Just don't make the mistakes in the first place. And then you don't have to learn from them. Just learn now and then don't. So you don't make those mistakes. And I just, again, one in, in one ear, out the other, I'd be, okay, if I make a mistake, I'll just won't do it again, which was not happening. I was just repeating the same thing over and over again. So what I hear you saying, Jared, so the listeners are clear. I you hear were you right. saying mom yeah. was right. Say it again. You were right. Right. Mom was right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. That, in our running joke kind of now that we're through this stage, and even when Jared was younger, like he'd, he'd insist on trying to figure something out. And even if he, whatever stage we kind of joke about, we say, you know, Jared has, Jared has to learn things, but he always has to learn it the hard way. Jared had a knack, especially at this point for looking for that harder way out of a sense of defiance or just yeah, this push. And when we talk about, defiance. when we talk about developmental outcomes that I've talked here on the podcast, and we talk about this sense of responsibility and autonomy, Jared was so busy trying to be independent in his own person that that kind of got caught up in his being so stubborn, his being unyielding to help and taking help, even if he knew he needed it. Right. Yeah. Because I felt if I got help, then I wasn't doing it my way and I wasn't being independent, you know, and it wasn't it was it. I wanted independence, but I was not ready for it at all. I was pushing so hard for it. And I don't just because I wanted wanted it and I was being stubborn. I, I think a lot of it was I was older. I was almost I what I thought was almost an adult. So I was like, OK, now I just go off and I'll do everything. I figure things out myself, which is not a good way of thinking. I mean, your parents are there even when you turn 18 and you go off to college or you start a job somewhere, your parents are always there because obviously, you know, they've been around longer and they've gone through what you have. They've done college, you know, they've gotten a job, they've done high school. They know at least they're really, they can relate to you on that level. But I just, I didn't want to hear anything from you, which was really dumb because you, a lot of the things you were telling me, I look back now and I'm like, man, if only I had, if only I had listened and now I can, I feel like I listen a lot more now, you know, it's still, it's not always sometimes, you know, old habits die hard, but, um, I think it's a, it's a lot better than it was. I'm more open to, to hearing what you have to say. Definitely. It absolutely is. So now do you want to circle back a little bit and tell us kind of what started to happen next? So you've started to experiment. You're trying to figure out some. And the other thing I think it's important to know you as a senior, your friends were all a year or two older that you met right. that freshman year that you were so close with. So as they started leaving for college, you were looking for a new friend group. And so you were experimenting, not just with new friends, but with some other things. Yeah, I was, you know, I experimented with alcohol, obviously, that was the main one, uh, marijuana. And then I think uh, there was there were definitely other drugs in there. I don't remember. Honestly, I can't. That time is a lot of uh, blocking out and not remembering pretty much what happened that night. So I think there were definitely other things 
uh, besides marijuana and alcohol that I was, I was doing, but I, that, you know, I thought I was being cool. I felt, you know, I, at the surface, I think I felt not good about myself, but I was, you know, I was happy, you know, I was defying you and dad. I was making my own decisions, which weren't smart, but I was taking some solace in the fact that I was making my own decisions. Um, which in reality, what was happening deeper below that surface level of of pleasure and enjoyment, I was really starting my shame was really starting to grow. And it was start it wasn't just starting to grow it was starting to show i think a lot more at that time and, and depression um, don't you think your depression yeah, sort of started absolutely. in that absolutely yeah and also at that time i was you know i was about to go off to college and i think some of it was i wasn't really sure what i kind of had an idea of what i wanted to do but i didn't know for sure so there was that um I was really frustrated about. And then also I was just trying to figure out kind of who I was as well. Cause I was still growing as a person through, through all this. And even before that I was, but I was just taking a different path and I was growing into a person that at the end of it, I didn't even recognize who I was and who you had raised me to be. I was so far from what you intended and what you wanted for me I just was unrecognizable at that point. I think, you know, we talk about self-awareness and your identity in this image, and we all portray or try to portray an image to the outside world. Now, sometimes that image is truthful of who we are. And other times we have a really nice facade. And I just remember looking back at this and just in those moments and so much of it, you were trying so hard to shed this image of being a good kid of being a Christian boy, of being, you were just trying to shed that goody two-shoe or maybe that's not the right, you were. No, it was a goody two-shoes. I felt right. You just didn't want that image. And, And part of the reason I think that you felt that way is because people liked you and, you know, you were respectful and you just went from one end of the spectrum where you were so kind hearted and you just had such a good heart and so connected and involved with your family and loving. And you just had a rough, a rough high school years in there where you went from one end of the spectrum to the other, where you were fighting everything that was a part of who you were. Right. And a lot of it, I brought on my myself because uh, I made those choices. And even at this point, you know, going back to my relationship with God, it was pretty much non-existent at this point. It was, um, I think it was something that was starting to gradually happen over time. But then when I started doing all this, it just became nothing. There was no, I wasn't thinking about what I was doing, you know, at least in terms of, you know, not just would you be, because I knew you weren't happy with it, but I never thought about, you know, is God happy with this? Because then if I think that more shame on me, I bring more shame and again, I knew in the back of my mind that was playing on me because that's also started to, you know, build up the shame because I wasn't admitting it to myself, but I knew towards the bet in the back of my mind that you weren't happy with what I was doing. I wasn't really happy with what I was doing. And most of all, God was not happy with what I was doing and how I was behaving. And I think 
there's a lot of moments in what happened that I kind of thought, you know, at that point, oh, this is my really low point, you know? And I remember one night, one of my friend's birthday parties in that group that I was hanging out with. And we went there and immediately, you know, we started drinking and I was probably drunk by, I probably got there around eight and I was probably drunk by nine thirty, ten. And then, you know, some other friends showed up and then we went to a different place and we smoked weed, um, got really high. And then we came back and then I just remember walking in the door. And I don't remember anything else up uh, at that point until I woke up, you know, with my face in the toilet, throwing up, puking. And I can hear, I couldn't speak because between every breath I was throwing up. And I, I remember at that point, I thought I'm dying. I can't, I can barely get a breath. My back, the back of my throat burns with just, it burns. It feels like there's a fire going on in the back of my throat and I'm throwing up and I can't talk to my friends who I hear talking behind me. And there, and I think, I don't remember what time it was. It was definitely past curfew because I remember them saying, what do we do? His mom called, his mom's been calling. And then I think they shut off my phone. I'm pretty sure or something like that, or my phone died. But I think I was there. I don't remember how long I was there. I just remember them, you know, they took, there were intervals of them taking me outside to get some fresh air. And then I'd fall over in the grass and throw up again. And then they'd carry me back inside to the toilet and I'd throw up again. And then I remember I threw up once in the toilet and I blacked out again. And then I woke up with them like pretty much throwing me out of my own car and then handing me my stuff. And I remember stumbling in, and I think it was about four in the morning. And then you were just sitting there waiting and um, you obviously weren't, weren't happy. And you could, I mean, so can I fill in the yeah? You go ahead and see what you because we know what happened to me. Now talk about you know the state I was in. Believe it or not, this is actually a good stopping point for today. There are several things that stand out to me from Jared's story. First, Jared continually called these guys his friends. Now throughout this time, we had been having arguments and disagreements about how these guys were not friends. They didn't help him to become a better version of himself. They weren't helping him to do the right thing. Now, please know, I don't blame them. Jared went willingly. And at the same time, he wasn't a friend to them because he was not encouraging them to stop these behaviors either. The reality, how my husband and I would define a real friend, didn't matter at all to Jared. When a young person is struggling in this way, they are not thinking about the best people with whom to surround themselves. They are in the moment. They are finding ways to belong, or in Jared's case, numbing the pain. Second, Jared mentioned that each time he thought that was his low point. Sadly, he didn't know that his rock bottom was a long way off, and neither did we. This reminds me that young people will experiment or even engage in certain behaviors believing that they're in control. Unfortunately, they are really not in control or they lose control at some point. They may not know how to stop it, or they may not even be willing to take help in order to stop it. So what then is our role as a parent, a youth worker, a caring adult? Well, our role is to be there, to provide help, to offer resources, to encourage, to love, to not give up on them, and to fight for them when they can't fight for themselves. 
Now, here's the catch. A young person has to be willing to accept help. They have to be willing to be loved. And they have to want things to change in order for anything to shift in moments like these. There is a lot of waiting, a lot of praying, and a lot of hoping. And there is a whole lot of trusting God to help see you through the moments and to help you get through and on the other side of the pain. And in the chaos, there was almost a peace because we knew that God was fighting for Jared just as much as we were. Make sure you join us next time as I will talk about what it was like to see my own son in such a horrible state when he came home that night. And we will continue on with the interview. Hey there, fellow youth workers. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember what Matthew 9.37 tells us. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, keep showing up and keep caring.